And today I want to talk to you about the work that God's doing in us and through us as we become those who are mended. And as mended people, he creates in us a reconciling community. A reconciling community. So let's take a look at the scripture. Revelation 21, beginning with verse 1. I'm going to read. You can follow along. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And aside, sea in the scripture often represents chaos, often represents evil, often uh, sort of it becomes an image for uh, disruption. And, and interestingly enough, uh, you say, well, what happened to the water? Well, maybe the water goes, but maybe what he's pointing to is simply that all disruption goes, all chaos goes. Uh, and, and so uh, the, there's no longer any, see, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Here's the good stuff. God with us. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write down, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it's done I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. And everybody said, Amen. You recognize what you just said, right? May it be so. May it be so. Amen. May it be so. And that's the longing of our hearts is that God would make this a reality. And so today as we talk about being a reconciling community, I want to remind you where we started in terms of the term mended. What are we talking about when we talk about being mended? To mend is to set right, to put into good shape, or working order to improve or strengthen, to restore to health. How many like that? How many want that for you? How many of that want that for your family? How many of you want that for your neighborhood? How many of you want that for your larger city? How many of you want that for your region? Hey, you just you realize I can just keep drawing circles. I can just keep drawing circles. We all want that, and the question is, how do we not just want it, but how do we become that? How do we become the people who are at work engaged in a reconciling way so that Others can know the love of the Father, the nearness of Jesus, and the indwelling presence of the Spirit. I'm going to offer you three suggestions as to what we can do to become a reconciling community. And it starts with this. If you want to pull out your listening sheet, if you want to pull out your listening sheet, you can follow along with me. And it begins just like this. For us to become a community of reconciliation, we have to begin to believe and to live out this truth that God is at work reconciling us to himself. God is working 
reconciling us to himself. He says, it's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. As it is in the end, so it was all the way through Scripture. And so if you take a look at what God is saying here, he's taking us back to a look at Isaiah 55. When the promise of the work of God is being delivered, Isaiah 55 simply says this, Come, all of you who are thirsty. Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear, to, give ear and come to me. Listen to me that you may live. I think John is playing on a theme that runs throughout Scripture. And there are other places we could name them, but I won't name any more than in the Old Testament of Isaiah 55. Come to me, all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters. If you have no money, come, drink, and eat. And everybody said, that's awesome. But then Jesus makes this really clear in John chapter 4 in an encounter with a woman known as the Samaritan woman at a well. And so we watch the ministry of Jesus, not just the, the hope of what the prophets saw, but now we see the fulfillment of Jesus' invitation to experience the reconciling work of God within us as he encounters this woman at the well. And so in, in John chapter 4, we see Jesus goes to the well to draw water. He, get, he goes to get a drink. He's there for an encounter with this woman. And you can read John chapter 4 because I don't have time to read all of John chapter 4 today and close at an appropriate time. You want me to finish at an appropriate time, right? Yeah, yeah I, I heard a really loud voice, yes. And, and, and so I won't read all of that, but let me just tell you, your homework this week, go read, go read John chapter 4. Here are some observations that I make in John chapter 4 about the ministry of Jesus as he engages a Samaritan woman. And if you understand the text, the more you understand the text, the more you'll realize is that everything Jesus is doing is countercultural. He's just countercultural. He's breaking every rule of the cultural book. Everything he does is a no-no. It's like, ah, don't do that. If you were watching him from a distance, you'd be saying, don't do that. Oh, oh, don't, oh, especially don't do that. And as you read through it, what we understand is that Jesus shows us the work that he's doing, not just in her and through her, but in us and through us. And so in this work of reconciling us and to himself, there's these points that I can dig out and then I'll let you dig some more out. But here's how, here's how the reconciling work of God uh, comes to us. And it simply begins like this. God's reconciling work always meets us right where we are. Right where we are. Jesus didn't ask the woman to meet him somewhere else, Jesus went to where she was and met her exactly where she was at the well. The second thing I recognize in this ministry is this, simply this. 
Jesus doesn't just meet us as we are. Jesus engages us where we are. So he meets us geographically where we are, but then he meets us at an emotional level. He meets us at a personal level to engage us where we are. He engages us in a conversation that contains no condemnation. The conversation contains no conversation. If you keep on reading this interaction, there would have been lots of eyebrows raised about the person that Jesus was speaking to because she had done a lot of things that were bad, that were sinful, that were wrong. But Jesus doesn't meet her there with condemnation. He meets her with where she is, as she is, and accepts her, her faults, her failures, and her sin. He just accepts her right where she is. And he engages her in a conversation that is welcoming, inviting, and transforming. Not only does Jesus meet her where she is, engages her as she is, but Jesus offers to her and to us living water that can transform our life with no charge. You know the charges that we think of for the cost of living water? Here, here's the charges we think of. When I get my act together, when I get it all right, when I'm, just, when I'm just a little bit better than I am already, when I stop doing the bad, hurtful, sinful things that I'm doing now, that I know I'm doing now, when I, when, when I do all these things, then I'll have earned my free drink. Well, if you can earn a free drink, it's not free. If you can earn a free drink, it's not free. And if you earn it, then it continues to be necessary that you earn the next drink and the next drink and the next drink and the next drink, which starts us out on this incredibly painful, laborious, incomprehensible spiral downward into depression because what we discover is not one of us not any one of us is good enough is good enough to drink from the water that jesus provides and so jesus provides us free water and he says if you drink this water it will change you from the inside out and it will provide a satisfaction to your thirst that will never empty you'll always have water to drink and jesus invites us to drink freely and as jesus invites us to drink freely jesus offers us forgiveness and welcomes us into a new community he offers us forgiveness and welcomes us into a new community so in john 4 jesus meets us as we are he engages us as we are he offers us living water freely without cost, and he forgives us and welcomes us into a new community. And everybody says, awesome. Everybody says, fantastic. Just like, I, just like I always dreamed, just like I always wanted. But that's actually just the beginning, because now, once we've received this wonderful gift that Jesus has given to us, we recognize that not only is God at work reconciling us to himself but now this new life we found in him is that god is working to reconcile us with others god's working to reconcile us 
with others. Can I just tell you one of the, one of the, the, the painful weaknesses of our present-day culture inside the church and outside the church as I see it? You can argue with me. We could have a great conversation, but I'll just tell you what I think. I think one of the most painful dilemmas we face today as Western Americans and as Western followers of Jesus is simply this, individualism. Individualism. Individualism that expresses itself in, I've got mine, you get yours, we'll all be okay. In the faith world, beyond the faith world, I've got mine, you get yours, we'll all be okay. And I don't think Jesus ever invited us to live as individuals isolated within a kingdom. Jesus always invites us to live as individuals connected to others in a community. Individuals connected to others in a community. You will always be who you are, but you'll never fully be who you can be or want to be without others. No, no man's an island. No woman is an island. We all need one another. I think Hillary Clinton had it right when she said it takes a village to raise children. It takes a village to raise a family. I, I really believe she has that right. And that's not a political persuasion. It's just an opportunity to say to you, if you think, and I know um, that many of us do, think we don't need any help, we can get it done on our own, I just want to tell you I think you're mistaken. I think you're mistaken. And so Jesus not only invites us to be reconciled to God, God's at work reconciling us to himself, but God's at work reconciling us to others. And then I, I just, you know, verse 3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Let me just say it this way. As God dwells with us, and as we dwell with God, as we become transformed from the inside out with the life of God, we then become a people who reflect the life of God. If God dwells with his people and we dwell with him and his life is in us, then we become a people who reflect the life of God. God is with us and is in us. And as he is with us and is in us, he transforms us and invites us to, the, to do the work that he is doing, to, to, to work with him, to work with him. He transforms us for the purpose of us telling others where the water is. You, you realize the woman in John chapter 4? She has this incredible encounter with Jesus. Some of it's a really difficult encounter. But as soon as she gets to the end of it, she says, wow, I think I just ran into a prophet. And then what does she do? She's experienced this incredible life-changing encounter, and it's so good, the encounter is so good that she says, I can't keep it to myself. I can't keep it to myself. So she runs back to the little community that she lives with, and she tells them these words, come meet a man that told me everything about myself. And if you remember the story, it wasn't all good. He didn't tell her just the good stuff. He, he said, come meet a man who told me everything about myself. He's got really, really good news. You should come meet him. I want you to follow me back. And then she takes the whole community back to Jesus. Well, here's, here's what that looks like. If God's working with us to reconcile others, then we become agents who do for others exactly what God has done for us. And it's simply this. 
as we become people who are being transformed from the inside, inside out, then we become empowered, empowered to absolutely meet people right where they are. They don't have to go anywhere. We can meet them right where they are. And as we meet people, we're empowered to enter into conversations with them that contain no condemnation. No condemnation. As we become people of God who are being transformed, we're empowered to offer others what we ourselves have freely received, the transforming life of Jesus. And as we are being transformed from the inside out, we become empowered to welcome others into a new family. See, what we've been invited into is exactly what we invite others to join. We don't have to think up anything new. We just get to go tell others like this woman did. Come meet this man who told me everything about myself, and it was really, really awesome, and I want you to meet him. That's the opportunity we have all the time. Meet people at where they are. Enter into conversations without condemnation. Be empowered to offer people what we've received freely and be empowered to welcome others into this new family of faith that God is forming us into being. And so God's working to reconcile us to himself. God's working to reconcile us to others. And when God's at work reconciling us to himself and to others, then what's working is simply this. God's reconciling work is creating communities that reflect his kingdom. God's reconciling work is creating communities that reflect his kingdom. I love this. Revelation 7, verse 9 becomes really, really clear what God's doing in the end. He says, And I looked, and before me there was a great multitude that no one could count. Read it out loud with me. One, two, three. From every nation, tribe, people, and language. From every nation, tribe, people, and language. Who's excluded? No one. Who is invited into community? Everyone. If God is at work transforming us to himself and working to transform us and reconcile us to others, then he's building us into a community that reflects his kingdom work. And that work is reconciliation. Now, the easiest thing we're going to do today is talk about it. I'll just be really honest. It is so easy to talk about reconciliation. I, I doubt that anybody disagrees with me, you know? In this sense, reconciliation is a good idea. But subtly, we don't add what we really think for somebody else. Because, Alan, if you knew what had been done to me, you wouldn't say that. And I would say, well, if you knew what had been done to me, I don't want to say it either. But I believe God's call in our life is to become a community who reflect the kingdom of God by, become ag by becoming agents of reconciling work, by becoming those who are mended and offering the opportunity for others to join us in our restorative, life-giving, functional living before God and others in a community of faith.
Let me just tell you, at the Vineyard, this is one of our primary values, is becoming a reconciling community. I won't bore you too much because I'm just going to read a snippet from what some of our material says about who we want to become. It just sim- simply says this, we believe that Jesus is reconciling people to God, to each other, and to the entire creation. Let that sink in. To God, to each other, and to the entire creation. This, I love this. He, Jesus, breaks down divisions between Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female, Can I just tell you that Jesus is at work breaking down every division imaginable. And each of the divisions that are listed here, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, male, and female, are all still reflected in our social order today. It's still fully applicable. There are divisions between people that keep us separated and divided, and God wants to work through us who are being reconciled to become those who join with Jesus in his work in breaking down walls that separate us. In a binary political world that we live in, just let me say it this way, there are two polar opposites in our political world. Jesus is a third way. He's a third way, and let me tell you, he's a better way for both sides to be engaged appropriately to break down the walls of division that have separated us for far too long. And the work is hard work because it demands that we become agents of humility that we become learners all over again, that we actually forget some things that we think we know, but we don't know them well enough, that we become willing to learn all over again the love of Jesus lived out appropriately in a culturally diverse world, in a spiritually diverse world, in an economically diverse world, The world that we live in needs new eyes to see it, and the world that we live in will demand a new heart, a heart of humility that asks more questions than providing answers. Have you ever figured this out? Sometimes as followers of Jesus, we're answering questions nobody's asking. I do it all the time. Like, I'm so excited And I think Jesus really is life. I think he's free water. I think he awakens everybody to life who follows him. And sometimes I just start into my, you know, like my conversation, and I haven't once just paused long enough to listen to what the person I'm talking to is asking about. And no matter what they're asking about, can I tell you, Jesus has input on it. So here's what my friend said. My friend says, Alan... Instead of jumping into a conversation like that, why don't you ask this question? Uh, if God is speaking to you, what do you think he's saying? Then that provides a great table for us to, to talk. He says, therefore, when we begin to break down these, therefore, then vineyard churches are committed to being communities of healing, engaged in the work of reconciliation, 
wherever sin and evil holds sway. And I know everybody says, it's out there. Let me tell you my problem. My problem is not that it's out there. My problem is that it's in here. My problem is not that sin is out there. My problem is not that evil is out there. My problem is that sin is right here and evil is right here. That's my problem. I think that's our problem. And there's only one way to remedy that problem. And that's wholly depending on the reconciling love of the Father made known to us in Jesus, empowered in us by the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out and be willing to let go of every preconceived notion we've ever had about what it ought to look like. So that Jesus can show us a new way. I'll just tell you, my way hasn't worked very well. And I'll tell you what the implications I believe with regard to this passage what these implications mean to us as a community. And it's simply this. God is in our face inviting us to an incredible journey and the journey is simply this. Throwing wide open the doors of the Vineyard Church Pearland and accepting all comers. No matter who, no matter from where, no matter what, no matter where, that, that God is inviting us to throw open the door of this place to be an accepting place for anyone and everyone. Another way to say it is no perfect people allowed. Well, I guess that's sort of obvious. They let me come. No perfect people allowed. We have to be an accepting, an accepting community. And I'll just tell you this, as we become an accepting community, we will become a community of hope. We'll become a community empowered through the cross. As we become a community of hope empowered by the cross, we'll move beyond our personal ideals. We'll move beyond our personal preferences. And we'll engage more willingly people who we perceive to be different than us and people who are different than us. So therefore, and I conclude with the last sentence of the vineyard being a reconciling community. So therefore, the ministry you engage in must be this. We must actively work to break down barriers of race, culture, gender, social class, and ethnicity. And everybody said, with more gusto, amen. May it be so. May it be so. May it be so. If we're going to be the people of God with whom He dwells, if we're going to be the people of God who are experiencing His transforming power, 
if we're going to be the people of God who are experiencing this transforming love and we're going to create space for new believers and followers of Jesus to grow, we have to be those who are actively at work breaking down every wall, every barrier, race, culture, gender, social class, and ethnicity, and welcoming, throwing wide open the doors of the good news of Jesus to welcome one and to welcome all because no perfect people are allowed. And I just want to tell you, that's good news. That's good news. Everyone's welcome. God's working to change us from the inside, every, every last one of us. And God wants to use us as an agent to reconcile with others. And God wants to create in us a community that reconciles with others. It's the work that we've been called to. It's the hard work that we've been called to, but it is the work of the Father and His kingdom nonetheless. And that's the work that we're called to be engaged in. We are mended for a purpose. The purpose is to be a reconciling people who reflect the kingdom of God. May it be so among us. May it be so among us. So may there be visible among us barriers of race, culture, gender, social class, and ethnicity. May they be disappearing among us in greater and greater ways because this is the work of God in us and through us.